does your business have a continuity plan? What does a continuity plan mean? It means if something happened in your office today, and we'll just keep it simple, if a pipe busted and it flooded your entire office, can your business continue to run without having that office? Do you have your files or your data backed up in a third-party location or on a third-party server? Do you have office space or desk space or one computer somewhere else? That way, if you totally lose that office today, would you be out of business? Think about continuity planning. And even if you're a small business, doing these things up front save you headache in the long run. I want to personally invite you to our Emotional Intelligence Mastery Class Phase 1. Now, you might be wondering, why do I need emotional intelligence? Well, that is the secret sauce to business communication, to engaging your team, to leadership. And the reality is EQ outperforms IQ. So I want you to join us as we go through two hours of great information that helps you get to the next level in 2021 and beyond. Get the tools, the strategies, understand business communication, understand how you can implement and how you coach or how you support your team members. And don't waste time now because we have it at a special rate. So go to actleadconsulting.com backslash emotional intelligence. Again, go to actleadconsulting.com backslash emotional intelligence and sign up today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. And today we're continuing the conversation that we started last week about Zoom. This conversation was so rich that we had to do a part two. So first thing is if you have not listened to the last episode, go back and check that out so you can get caught up and then pivot to this conversation and get ready for some more great information that me, Corey, and Tyrus are about to give you. As always, get your notepads, get your note-taking materials, and guess what? Let's get into this message. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome again to another Act and Lead live series, Rise or Fall. And this is where we come together and we discuss a company, a brand, a business that has had a fall season. And when we talk about fall seasons, we're talking about seasons where they've had bumps in the road, something that has happened that has shaken maybe their success. And now they have to pivot around it to go back up to that that rise that they had initially. And last week we talked about Zoom and the conversation was so robust. We had to do a part two because Zoom has done so many great things to get to the rise from how they treat their team members, um, how they were able to innovate, how they are looking at the aspect of diversity, even the feedback that has gotten them to the point where they have landed on glass doors, like number one places to work at because of the feedback their teams, team members are doing, um, the, how they feel about the CEO and how the company is being run. It really shows that they're at a point where a lot of companies and brands and businesses and business leaders who are watching, you can really mimic a lot of the great things that they're doing. So the conversation was so good, we couldn't even get to the fall part. So that's what we're going to pivot on today. We're going to talk about some of the bumps in the roads that Zoom had. And the reason why this series is so important is because this information can help you as a leader in an organization, a leader in business, someone that's interested in leader, interested in leadership, and really help you learn how to navigate these issues early on. So when you do face this, you can pivot around it so you can continue to fall or not continue to fall. We don't want you to continue to fall, to continue to rise. Or even if you do have yourself in a season where things are shaking, you can still pivot around it. But anyway, so let's get started. Um, of course, I want to introduce my amazing business partner, partners. We have Tyra Shivers and Corey. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? What's up? What's up? Everything is good. We all we good. always good over here. Hey, hey. All right. So we're not pivoting with leadership in the news today. We're going right into it. Right into it. Right into yep, yep. it. All right. So again, like we mentioned last week, I mean, everybody knows who Zoom is. Zoom is this great company that a lot of us utilize that has really stepped out and has been the go-to for video conferencing. I know we talked about it last week. And again, make sure you go back to our page, make sure you go watch that last episode because we talked about how they were able to innovate, how they were able to get this to this level, but they were really able to create something ahead of time that now everyone uses. And even though, yes, they have had some bumps in the roads, if you compare them to the other video conferencing um, platforms out there, they have really stood out. So 
Tyrus, I know you have a little bit more background. So give some people some additional insight about what has made Zoom stand out. And then let's pivot into this fall season that they had. And we can really decide and determine, not even decide, determine if they will rise again from that breakdown. So anytime you're dealing with software or technology, for the consumer side, it's always ease of use. Is it simple? What does the user interface look like, which means, which is basically what we look at when we open the app or we open the website? How clean is it? Is it, can I scroll through without being confused? How can I start a meeting? So Zoom made it very simple to just open up an app, start a meeting, click invite and bring people in. So Zoom really was able to take market control and share because of their ease of use. And also they were cheaper. They came out with just a free version that as long as I believe it's under 40 minutes, you could do free unlimited meetings. So they were able to tap into a market where the bigger players like WebEx at that time go to meeting Skype were charging people or and then it wasn't as simple. You couldn't just get in, start a meeting. It was all clunky. It didn't look good. It didn't ap appeal to people's taste. So Zoom was able to actually grow and take market share. And now their issue with that is when things are very simple, that means they're simple to get into and break as well. So one of the early issues with Zoom was they weren't using either two-factor authentication for you to log in or they weren't using encrypted the way they transmitted the data, it wasn't encrypted. So people could easily snoop or pull your information out that you put over Zoom, your passwords, things like that. And that's kind of where they ran into their first hiccups. Now, the newest phenomenon, because I had never seen it before until recently after everybody started using Zoom in March and with COVID, was the whole Zoom bombing. So what people do is they just jump into your room and they're able to do this because there was no password required to enter and they didn't have the waiting room aspect at that period in time. Those didn't exist. So you could just join the room and zoom bombing is basically you use the software and it calculates or creates numbers and those numbers are the meeting IDs. So once it spits out a number, you just click and see if it works. And this happened to me. I've been having meetings with clients and then I see, I have the waiting room enabled and then I see, oh, such and such is waiting to join the meeting. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> I don't know who this is. Kids were doing it to jump into different classrooms. So those are the things that started to become an issue. Security professionals then start to look at Zoom and say, OK, Zoom security has a lot of holes. And Zoom has done a great job at fixing some of those over the past few months. But, you know, once you're in a corporate meeting, once you're in something that's serious, and that happens, you start to lose credibility. So, Corey, I'll let you jump in right there. And give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on what I was going to say is anytime you have a company and you have this app or item or something like that, you kind of you always have to like raise a red flag in the back of your head when you say, uh, if it's easy for us, is it easy for them? And by them, I mean the people who will try to shut it down, because we would be naive to think about if there's anybody out there who just in general in life just has an attitude of, you know what? I'm going to break that thing. And it might not even be malicious. They're just like the type of person who's like, Hey, I want to hack it. I want to get into it and whatnot. And to be, to be honest, something that Google does, if you can hack into some stuff that they have, they'll then hire you. So who knows if that's their way of trying to get a job. So, yeah, I mean, there's just certain things and I've seen it time and time again, where somebody jumps in and, you know, you didn't have the waiting room enabled. You didn't have, uh, the code or something, you know, set up and they just jump in and all of a sudden they steal your screen and then they got some other stuff on, on another level playing and it's, it's killing your brand. It's killing your, you know, you might be a teacher using it. You might be uh, a personal brand using it. You might be a company using it. And it kind of leaves a sour taste in some people's mouths because that might've been my first interaction with you. And that's what happened. Oh, okay. Is this person legit or not? But I do think that when it comes to Zoom, it's a very big learning lesson for them. And there's no doubt in my mind that I think that the the changes that they've made and it's as quickly as they did. I'm it. It hit. I'm going to channel my T.I. real quick. It happened expeditiously. 
<laughs> I was like, we went from like, yeah, cool. Just start the meeting up. That's fine. To just like, hey, there's a waiting room and there's codes and there's encryption and all this other stuff. In like a week, it felt like at least. I know it took like a month or so. But uh, something that I did want to talk about Zoom, though, was just the, the growth in there and this opportunity being the best time for Zoom to grow. We always talking about serving people and putting themselves out there. Now, this does kind of, I guess, go into the the downfall of them and how they started getting hacked in the rooms and all that stuff. The best way to get somebody to do something for you is to give it to them for free for first. And so once this pandemic started, everything started shutting down. They uh, they had unlimited meet time. You didn't have to pay for that. You could do the unlimited meeting. Uh, I think it's what, $14.99 now if you want to continue to do unlimited meetings with your own rooms, scheduling and all that other stuff. But you could do a, you could still do, I think, a 45 minute or 30 minute meeting on it. The thing is, you start to give it out for free. People start to see it more and then people start to act on it more. So for me, it was just a great marketing tactic by allowing people to use it. But then in the midst of that, you have to then say, OK, how do we protect people? And, um, you know, there, there are some there's some people that's very much affected by it. But I, I mean, personally, I think that, you know, you learn you learn as you go. So. You know, if you're not failing, you ain't trying, I'll say. And here's an issue that, and I'm going to let Aisha jump in, but the issue that we have or people, consumers have with technology companies, and I would say the issues that informed people have is that when technology companies have issues, they don't tell us. <laughs> they are They are aware of the issue that they have, and oftentimes they won't fix them until it blows up or it hits the news or somebody goes to the papers. So things like Zoom meetings, recordings can be found online. Who knew that? I never knew about that. I just looked it up and saw it. And so what happened is if you do your meeting and you download it to your computer, most people upload them somewhere in the cloud. And if they're uploaded to unprotected cloud servers, then people can go in and get your meeting. And if you don't change the default name because it just says Zoom meeting and it has the ID and the title of the meeting and everything. And Vimeo was one of those places where people could go on and see your actual Zoom meeting name and steal your meeting. So, you know, that's something that we as consumers haven't probably heard about unless you just sit around and do research on these companies so that's one of those negatives i would say that zoom has by not just coming out and telling us what's going on yeah no and what i wanted to highlight i mean it's just like you said um one of the things that again being a military member protection is very important and it's unfortunate because yes you do learn as you go but again when you are you are creating some, something that you want corporate to use and you want the DOD or these people who need this, these additional encryptions to use. You have to be mindful of the things that you need to put in place ahead of time. So, for instance, if you were to determine, OK, I want to create a product for a corporate. I want to create a product for the Department of Defense. I need to sit down and identify what their actually needs are. And my question is, did Zoom do that? Do they, did they do their checks and balances ahead of time to say, OK, if I'm going to market my product and service and I know the Air Force is going to utilize it, then what kind of encryptions do they need? Do we need to add some additional firewalls, additional security measures, because this is going to be utilized by the DOD and we want to market to them? And of course, maybe. Initially, there were people within those roles or those, those spaces that just started using it because it was Zoom. But again, it's really making sure that, OK, if you know that this is the type of audience you want to attract, have you truly identified what their customized needs are? And I talk about customize a lot. I talk about strategically adapting. But the reason why that is, is because, yes, we want to there are certain things that you can create a one size fits all for. I mean, we know what's that place called? Um, Little Caesars. They have this one size fits all. Hey, you go in. We got like this red hot pizza or ready and hot pizza that's already created. It's pepperoni. It's these maybe three main toppings or maybe just one. You can always walk in and grab it. But then if I come in and say, no, I want to I want a pizza with pepperoni on it, chicken, uh, sausage and all this other stuff. Are you going to be able to create that same product for me? And how long is it going to take? So can I still get this from you? Or are you just going to be solely the company that's going to be one size fits all? And that's okay. But have you done, just like Tyrus talks about the market research, have you identified specifically how you want to go about things? So I think the 
thing that you want to think about if you're a business leader um, listening to this and you're trying to identify who you want to market to, you want to really make sure that in every single type of interview process, meeting process that you have, you know, uh, maybe a process that you have incorporated, or maybe you don't have that, you want to make sure that you want to have that sit down and ask them those questions. Okay, we have this general process. This is how Zoom works. This is our one, two, three, four process. But let me ask you, here's some five additional questions. Are there additional security measures that you have? How many people are you going to have on this meeting? Um, what kind of information are you going to be discussing? Would it benefit you for you to get this package 2.0 that comes with five firewalls? I don't know. I'm just throwing firewalls in there because I've heard it before, but I don't really know what firewalls are. Does it come with five firewalls? Does it come with additional encryption? Does it mean that you do have to have a passcode and okay, okay, so we think this package will be a better fit for you. And of course, maybe Zoom didn't think about that. But before you go out and you start mar marketing your product and service to a specific type of cor corporation or company, you want to make sure you ask all those questions and really understand the culture and how they do things and even what they're going to be discussing to really make sure that you create a product that's customized for them. Who we got next? Corey, you, you, oh no, Tyrus, you got something on that. What's up? Yeah, see, now I'm confused. I'm confused. When Eric Wan founded Zoom in 2011, he founded it to deliver happiness and bring teams together in a frictionless video environment. That sounds like consumer use, right? Personal, friends, connectivity, consumer. But on April 1st, when they confronted him about the growing security concerns, he said, they, he acknowledged Zoom's growing pains and pledged that regular development of the Zoom platform would be put on hold while they worked to fix security and privacy issues. He recognized that they've fallen short in the community and their own privacy and security expectations. But he explained that Zoom had been developed for large businesses with in-house IT staffers who could set up and run the software. So basically, he is saying here, we developed Zoom for those companies, those corporations that have security teams that know how to set this up to work for them. Now, he said, we now have a much broader set of users who are utilizing our product in a myriad of unexpected ways, presenting us with challenges we did not anticipate when the platform was conceived. So. And then he said, these new, mostly consumer use cases have helped us uncover unforeseen issues with our platform. Now, in the beginning, you're talking about connecting people for happiness. Corporations don't get together for happiness. They get together to make money. Now I'm thinking about, because we talk a lot about, okay, what is our vision? What is our goal? What's our mission statement? What are our core values? Who is our target audience? His mission statement reads as the target audience would be consumers. Yet he designed a product for corp corporate entities. There's a little bit of brand confusion or market confusion right there. As a leader, as a business owner, you have to make sure that you're abundantly clear about your audience. Who are you serving? Because basically he said, okay, we're giving this to corporate users. They have IT staffs, security staffs. They can handle this. We don't have to do all of this extra work. And then consumer use picked up. And I said, oh, we got to fix this because consumers are using it now. And we never thought about all these other issues that could be happening. So that, that was a little bit of confusion right there when I was reading that. Um, Corey, take it over. Yeah. And so some of the, some of the things we also have to be accountable for ourselves, right? Because that I've seen online when the, when zoom was like the, the hot topic at the beginning, all of a sudden you say, Hey, I'm doing this thing on, on Wednesday. Here's my zoom link with the password and everything. Hey, I'm, I'm hosting this. Here's all of the information to my zoom account on your Facebook. Right. I mean, my friends and I, we were just laughing last night because there's certain people who aren't mindful of it. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. And you were saying, oh, I just just got my new whatever toy and your Social Security is, is at the bottom of the thing. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why you got your Social Security posted on Instagram and Facebook? And then you get mad when somebody steals your your identity or whatnot. Right. So there's there's certain things that. Yes, Zoom created it to say, hey, I can host this platform for you, but then your IT company has to come in and, and really make sure that you're safe. And I think that it then had to pivot to, well, I said this is what we were going to happen. I told you this is what we offer. 
but you didn't really want that. You wanted us to kind of do everything for you. So what I'm thinking about is like, what level of self accountability do some of these companies have? Do some of these people have when you did get hacked because you were posting all your stuff on online and you didn't, you know, you didn't have a, a process to say, Hey, maybe you need to register for this link. Maybe you need to, uh, you know, give me your email. And then, and then, the meeting invite will kick the email back to you for, for the meeting invite details. So those types of things for me is like at a certain point, when do, when do we become accountable? Because <laughs> I saw zoom links all up and down my Facebook line. I could have hopped in at one at any point in time. So it's just, you know, it's give and take. Can we blame zoom entirely? But at the same time, can we blame the user because you kind of put your info out there? And I, I'm looking at Aisha, not her head. I think she got something. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why it's so important as someone that's a business leader that's going into a new space to really connect with people and connect with those that can really educate you on what you need. Because what happens is that you see a trend and you start to follow it and you start to copy it. And I think that I can see the aspect of the consumer being the person that needs to take a level of accountability. But my question is that, did they know? And for us, a lot of business leaders or people who manage an organization, we have to realize that when we create things, sometimes we have to put things in layman's terms. Sometimes we need to put a frequently asked questions, things to pay attention to. Hey, when you're sharing your link, consider this. Consider adding this additional layer. Hey, so you know, we've added this password component. We've added this additional components and registration component in order for you to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And then also a lot of times, like even when I signed up for Zoom, a lot of those resources were available to me. I just didn't want to watch it. I don't want to watch a long video to hear about all your uh, products and services and what you offer and how to really use it. I'm going to just sign up because everybody's using it. I think it's cool. And I really want to make sure that I utilize this because it's going to benefit my coaching business. However, so that's the aspect of the accountability we have to take. A lot of times we don't want to take time as a consumer to read up on something, to make sure that we have, okay, let me really find out what this, what this, brand company or this product is all about we just start to use it because we've seen it on youtube a couple times we know if we press a button it's going to work but sometimes we do have to take time as a consumer to really make sure that we read through everything we really play around with it because a lot of like when i found out that you can do polls and you can do um breakout rooms i learned from i was like how did this, I went, I was on a webinar and I was like, how are they using breakout rooms? Like, how is this an additional plan? Like, I didn't even know they had it. But if I were to take time to research and read up all on all the specs of this product, I would have known that. So I think, again, we have to realize that the information is out there as the consumer. So there, that's that level of accountability. And then also when they did realize that there were some breakdowns and they put the information out, then there's a whole nother level of accountability from the consumer because now we know they've been putting out emails. They've let, the, let us know what the changes are. And now they've made it mandatory, which I respect. But then also, if you are, again, a business leader, if you're a manager, if you are someone that has the you're a part of like the building process of anything, realize that you too need to do your part to make sure that those resources are available out there so people can't tap into it because because that information might really help them get educated on how to use your product and service. So the question is, do you even know how to use your product and service in a way where you can educate it or you can teach the person how to utilize it from that layman's term, excuse me, that layman's term way, because some of us are so techy and so complicated in how we speak and so philosophical in our breakdowns. And we really need to learn how to break things down in a user-friendly, understandable way. So people of even a four-year-old might be able to use Zoom. And as we see now, kids have to use Zoom. Yep. So literally Zoom has to be so easy that a kindergartner or at least a first grader can use it. So whatever you have out there, is it at the point where you can break it down to the point where a first grader can use it? But of course, it has to be a product and service that a first grader can use, of course. I want to make sure of that. But yeah, so that's what I really want us to think about on both sides of it. Yes, there's a consumer aspect, but as someone that might be the leader, what are you doing to make sure that you are catering to the needs of all, again, the behavior styles of those that are consuming your product? or utilizing your services so they know how to utilize each one of those products and services. So what we got there. I'm glad you brought that up with the behavior styles because I was just about to go in on Corey. I had to dial back. (laughs) 
I don't necessarily agree with the consumer having to have a lot of responsibility in this because as a consumer, you don't know what you don't know. And these products can be made so advanced to where you just don't know what you're doing with it. Of course, they roll out the videos they have when they do the updates, what got updated. But those things aren't written for most people to even understand what it means. So they put the version numbers. They put all of this stuff that if you're not technical, it's like, okay, what? And I don't want to go too far off, but this is why consumer protection agencies were created because companies and corporations were putting all of this jargon into their documents and people couldn't read through it. And then so you got to either sign the contract or don't sign it to get the product or to accept something. So you just do it. And now you're confused or now you get stuck. So I think that Zoom, while they do have a lot of resources as far as videos, as far as help, help or fact sheets, they can do a better job at training consumers. They don't really train consumers. They allow you to, oh, join the webinar if you want to. You can make that a mandatory thing. If you want to use my product, come in my webinar. Just a 30-minute breakdown of the top-level features. Of course, it's going to take time on their end, but you know you build that into the price. They're not going anywhere. When you control the market on a specific product, if Coke raised their price by a dollar today, people still going to buy Coke. They're not going anywhere. If Zoom raised their product by $10 a month, people still going to use Zoom because they're cemented now where we are. And to hit on what Aisha talked about with the behavioral tendencies, now we have to understand how people learn, how they receive information. If Zoom puts all of this stuff in documents and you have people that need to see it or touch it, it's not going to do them any good. They need to be able to hear they need to see somebody clicking on the screen and saying, hey, this is how you set this up by clicking these buttons. How many times have we been on Zoom meetings and you tell somebody to unmute themselves and it takes 15 minutes to unmute themselves because they need to see somebody go and click the mute button. Everybody's screen is different. Things don't always appear the way they think the way we think they do. So it can cause a lot of confusion. So I don't necessarily put it on the customer or the consumer to have to figure it out. I put that weight and that burden back on the company to say, hey, look, we know that this is a software. There ha there can be different nuances in it. Let us begin to build it out, break it down, simplify it. And like you said, for kindergarten or first grader to use so that people could use the product. I do have to give Zoom their credit, though. When they had a back door that will allow you to hack in and take escalate privileges and you can take over the camera, and you can take over the machine. They figured that out on March 30th. They had it fixed on April 2nd. I can't be mad at them for that. Wow. Expeditiously. <laughs> I can't be mad at them. So, you know, as we continue just thinking about Zoom, I'm looking through their history of their issues and their fixes. They didn't take a long time. I mean, it, some of these are within days. Others are weak. Sometimes it takes companies months to roll out a fix. Or they might not even roll out a fix. They might determine that, hey, this thing isn't widely utilized as that backdoor, as that hole. Nobody's really using it. We haven't lost anything, so we're not going to fix it. It falls down the line on their fix or development schedule because this is what they do. They put the software out there. They develop it. They do new things. They add new additions, and then they fix holes once somebody finds that gap. And, you know, you have people out there looking for what we call zero day exploits. These are as soon as something's dropped, they are looking for how to get into it. So and companies don't sit around and figure out how to plug them until after they've been hacked. And that's something that is just in security and it's in software. Uh oh, they say Zoom cryptographic keys issued by Chinese servers. <laughs> so they're getting their encryption keys from China. But, you know, Zoom fixed that, too. Boom, they're, they're on it. I think that with all the vulnerabilities that Zoom has, it's growing pains. I think that because they had brand confusion in the beginning, they didn't anticipate these things. So they didn't put the proper mitigation strategies in place. And as a business owner, that is your responsibility. I know that in certain organizations, you have all of these plans these failover plans, these continuity plans. Does your business have a continuity plan? What does a continuity plan 
mean? It means if something happened in your office today, and we'll just keep it simple, if a pipe busted and it flooded your entire office, can your business continue to run without having that office? Do you have your files or your data backed up in a third-party location or on a third-party server? Do you have office space or desk space or one computer somewhere else? That way, if you totally lose that office today, would you be out of business? Think about continuity planning. And even if you're a small business, doing these things up front save you headache in the long run. Zoom, of course, they couldn't do everything up front because technology is a little bit different, but they are able to quickly make fixes, make changes. And you as a business owner, whatever product, whatever service you sell, you want to be able to also quickly pivot when things go wrong. I love that. I love that you just highlighted that because, again, it shows the reality of growing pains. It shows the reality of when there are going to be some bumps in the road. So know that in the journey of leadership, the um, journey of team development, the journey of building your brand and your business, there are going to be some run-ins that you're going to have. That is normal. But the question is the bounce back. What are you going to do to fix the issue? I know we've talked about diversity, equity, inclusion in here. And Mark Benioff, again, shout out to um, you know his company, Salesforce. One of the things is that he recognized there was a pay gap. He recognized that when it comes to recruiting, there were some breakdowns in bringing in diverse talents. He recognized that he had his own unconscious bias. And what he did was create a process to remedy it. He brought the right people in. He invested the right amount of dollars. It might have taken a couple of years for it to be remedied just because of how the system works. But the question is, when you do run into an issue, how are you going to fix it? We have all heard the joke about McDonald's and their ice cream machine, right? And it's always broken. There's even something funny that talks about, uh, I guess, an app was created for people to identify like the, the smoothie or the ice cream. I don't get ice cream from McDonald's, so I'm a little bougie when I come. I ain't going to get no McDonald's ice cream. But anyway, not judging. Okay, not judging. I'm going to go to that cold stone. I'm going to get that you know, the little customized, listen, I'm about customized experiences. But anyway, but if McDonald's is known for having a broken ice cream machine, and it's been years, they have not remedied it, remedied the issue. And yes, they still are probably getting money. People are used to it. But the question is, what is your bounce back process? If a customer's complaint is happening, you're hearing the same issue multiple times. What are you going to remedy? it? What are you going to do to fix the issue? And we have to really realize that we have to be able, yes, we can put out products and services. We can be innovative, but you have to be a problem solver as well. So you really want to make sure you're tapping into that, making sure that if you, if that's not your strength, because again, we have people with different behavior styles where when it comes to quick decision making or having um, or strategizing those plans, you might need to have a two, a time, excuse me, a room of diverse individuals with different behavior profiles to help you navigate those processes. But what is your weekly process to assess the problems that you've had in your company each week? Myself, Tyrus, and Corey meet every week before these lives, even sometimes other times where we talk about, hey, what, what, what do we do good this week? Or what kind of area do we need to work on? We're constantly talking in a group messenger to try to fix issues or come up with ideas and oh, well, we've noticed this week that we didn't hit this target or we need to fix this in marketing or we need to do this something, something different. And we're constantly pivoting because we're noticing the changes and the adjust adjustments we have to make because of the consumer, because of the market. But how often are you doing that? How often are you having those conversations and pushing it off is not going to benefit you? It's, excuse me, pushing it off is not going to benefit you, but actually making it a priority is going to benefit you. So always consider Am I a problem solver? If not, what team can I create? What kind of mastermind can I have on a weekly or monthly basis or bi-weekly basis so we can address the top five problems of the company and find ways to be innovative and fix it ASAP so you can continue to build that, not only that consumer loyalty, that customer loyalty, but even if it's internal issues you have within your organization, with your teams, with your leadership, you are addressing those because now you can have internal loyalty and trust Right. Not only loyalty, but the trust aspect, because they know, man, whenever McDonald's has this ice cream issue or this machine issue, they have a fix right away versus making it the culture. And if that is the culture, that is not a good thing. Look, y'all, we got some more fire coming up to you in the second part of the Launch, Leverage and Lead podcast. Look, do me a favor, sit tight and we'll be right back with you.
Look, there's only one way that you're going to really get to the next level that you need to be at, and that's by joining our free community. That's right. I said free because I'm not trying to charge you for the information that we talk about daily. Like when I say my life took a different route because I was having the correct conversations every single day, I really mean that. So look, do me a favor, click the link below, and I want to see you inside of the free community, right? And look, let Aisha, myself, Tyrus, let us take care of you. Not even just us. We got some heavy hitters inside of there that are really making moves and can really pour into you as well. So do me a favor, click the link. I want to see you there. Mm, that's good. So we have a question from Trevor, and I'm going to give one point on it, and then you guys can jump in and give your perspective because we all – we're different people. We have different tendencies and we have different ways we approach things. So the one thing about having a daily plan is how to start. Get How do you start to get organized? You start with a daily plan. You have to sit down and write out your goals, your vision and your dreams. Once you do that, you will be able to then prioritize what you're trying to do. And it's all about just doing it. Many people say that they have struggled planning or being organized It's because it's not a priority enough. It doesn't hurt enough yet. You haven't come across something that's hurting you so much that you just have to change it. Once you get to that point, you'll say, OK, now I need to take this seriously. Think about what could you be losing by not taking it seriously? What things could be so much better in life if you would just go ahead and have a daily plan? There's a journal that I recommend, the Full Focus Planner. Well, it's a planner, it's not a journal, it's a planner. That planner forces you to break out your daily goals to meet weekly goals, to meet quarterly goals, to meet annually goals. They broke it out for you. All you have to do is write it down. So once that pain point, you have to identify the pain point. The weakness is okay. We all have weaknesses or limitations or this or that. Identify what is it hurting you. Identify what pain it's causing and is that pain serious enough for you to make a change yeah and i know i mean for me trevor this one of the things is is i'm not my strong suit is not the organization um i'm a very i'm a go i'm a doer i go do like i know these things need to be done let's go do them but the thing is i had to get better at organization right because you're just gonna be you can't just live in chaos all day um, you're going to go gray and lose a lot of hair doing that. But here's the thing. I want you to start to think about, and this is for everybody listening to this. I want you to start to think about, because when we think about organization, we think about, oh, here's these steps. And this is, I have to follow this process. And if I, and some people at least think if I get away from this process, then it's now back to chaos. But I want you to write down what the important things are. How do you start your day? How do you start? Let's say let's say you're going to work when you get to work. Um, you know, if you, you you come in and you do X, Y, Z, that's the first things that you do every single day. And then I want you to map out maybe the, the first five or six things that you need to do for whatever task that is. And then from there, you want to understand that even if and identify this, even if something goes left, you get pulled to do something else. You have to drop the you know, you got to drop everything, and go, you know, handle an emergency. What is it that what is it that's the most important thing? What's the top three things that you say? You know what? If I get this done, I'm good. And that's something that I had to learn for myself was when I map those processes out, even if I get pulled somewhere else, I got to drop the ball. There's an emergency. There's something else. What's the top three things that I need to do that day? And that's considered a win still. So I want you to think about that for yourself and everybody listening too. just because you're not the organized person who has their day scheduled from from 5 a.m. all the way to midnight. Think about when I step into a thing. What do I do? Map that out. And then if I have to if I have to handle something else, there's a fire burning somewhere else. What's the top three things that I have to do? And if you get that done, you can consider that a win. Yeah, I mean, and, and like they said, you know, how how important is it for you? Um, you have to realize that 
by not creating a plan. There's so much time and energy that you're wasting. Um, I had a I, I had hosted a call the other day and I talked about something called the Parkinson's law. And the Parkinson's law is an example of it's like the time expands uh, depending on the project that you have. So, for instance, if you have a two week project, right, so it's due in two weeks. But you actually can complete that project in a week or maybe even in four or five days, depending on how much time and energy you allot to it. But what will happen is that we have two weeks. So we'll start the time starts to expand. Okay, I got two weeks. So I start to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. I start to put it off. And what happens is that we are living from an aspect of constant procrastination, constant like that's that's happening in our unconscious. And if 95, 95% of how we function is based off of the unconscious, we have to really stop, slow down and identify what patterns we have that are unhealthy and what essentially it's affecting. So again, look at the value of having a system in place, a daily process in place, because by creating that, now it's going to benefit you in having time and energy for your family, time and energy for yourself. Now you can start to have a quick turnaround time to produce things. And now customers are like, man, they said I was going to have my package in five business days. I got it in two. Man, they have great. And now this is adding to, you know, again, that trust, that loyalty, because you, you know, because you might say that you're going to do one thing, but now you're exceeding the expectation. So look at by creating systems, processes, whatever works for you, that is now you're getting from, okay, I have an average response time to my goals. Now I'm exceeding my goals. I'm exceeding those expectations of my goals. And by doing that, now you can chip away at your goals a lot faster and you can get to new levels a lot faster. So go from being average and go to exceeding the expectations or even yourself and your own goals. And just to talk about consistency a little bit, I did a recording with a gentleman and he said that he values consistency over intensity. And a lot of times what we do is we want to go big or we want to go huge or we want to make these huge changes all at one time. And then when they don't work out, we fall back into the inconsistent part of our lives. So in order to be more consistent, definitely write things down and take one small thing one task and do that task over and over and over and over and over repeat it that will build consistency in that area and once you begin to be consistent in one area you can start to move and add that to different areas of your life if you try to do too many things too many changes you won't follow through on all of them just pick one thing maybe it's waking up one hour earlier every single day and be consistent in that I was reading a psychology article and it said the 21 day to form a habit or 30 day, all of that's out of whack. But 66 repeated attempts at doing one thing will cause you to have a habit. So wake up at five o'clock in the morning or earlier every day for 66 days straight. You're going to start getting up at that time. Exercise every day for 66 days straight. <laughs> and I know some people say, well, do you exercise on Sunday? Coach Rochelle said you eat on Sunday, don't you? <laughs> so add that in. That will help you build consistency. And again, consistency helps build discipline. And discipline is what pushes us when we can or when we hit roadblocks, when we're tired, when we're sick, when we don't feel like doing it. Now we're disciplined because we've been consistent with the small things. And of course, it's compounding interest. You start with the small things. You allow it to compound over time. Then it becomes large. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest thing from there is inconsistency. And this is the point that I was going to bring up was you still have to do. And there's so many people out here that we just we just keep saying it and we keep saying, hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, like you ever met their friend and, and you saw him and they were like, man, I got this really good idea. I'm going to go do this. And then you don't see him for like another month. Y'all get busy and then you come back and man, how's it going? Oh, man, I got this plan and this is what I'm going to be doing. And you're like, well, wait a minute. So you just like talking at this point. So there's a level that you have to then say, OK, I'm going to start doing right. I'm going to start taking steps towards doing something because we run into a lot of people. And I said this way back when I can't remember 98 percent of people. And I don't know if that statistic is correct, but 98 percent of people do not follow up on anything because they just they just like talking. So shift yourself away from that talking mindset and that just I like this idea and I take this ideology. And if I could just if I could just ever get there, I would do 
X, Y, Z, right? If I could just ever, then this would happen. But in reality, it could happen. You're just not doing. And so what you keep telling yourself is, and I want people to take this to heart. What you keep telling yourself is I have these wonderful ideas. I have these wonderful talents that I can give the world. And then you then let yourself down, right? You you sign a contract with yourself by saying, I love this ideology. And then you breach the contract by saying, but I'm not going to do it. So I want you to start to think, think through that. And so I want to pivot a little bit because we got a couple, we got a few minutes left. Just some of the things we talked about zoom security issues. And this comes from like, um, and, and, and really it segues into growth and what we're talking about a personal growth, but this is company growth right here. Some of the, the bad reviews from zoom came in and a lot of it, to be honest with you, one of the cons was a, was a, was a pro, uh, because it says Zoom does a great job of taking care of its employees. But a lot of problems seem to have that seem to be that the company's growing too fast. So I guess I want to kick it over to Aisha. When it comes to the when it comes to the complaints, basically they're saying, hey, the rapid growth is causing stress, rapid growth. I don't know who my next co-worker is going to be. Uh, I can't remember their names. Um, we're growing so fast. Uh, the, the person that you meet, this week is a completely different person that you meet the next week. Um, how, how do we shift that as far as it negatively impacting your company culture when you're growing so fast and your employees are saying, man, I can't even remember who I work with. Well, I think it goes back to, again, emotional intelligence. Um, it goes back to understanding the needs of your team members and constantly assessing that because, yes, it's good that a company is growing, right? You want your company to grow. You want to get to the next level. You want to get to the point where you can constantly hire people because, of course, as you blow up, you're going to want and you're going to need more team members to support you. But if this is the feedback and say this is, again, I always say that if 70% of your company is booming and you have all these great reviews, or as we've seen, it's like at a 96 to 98%, um, you know, the rate of how Glassdoor has rated how, you know, the team members feel about, um, excuse me, about Zoom, then what about the 2%? Mm -hmm. Do the 4% don't matter? No, they still do matter. You still want to identify and find out what their needs are. And if your team members are saying that I need like me, I can care less. I don't need to know everybody that I'm working with. I mean, yes, you're going to bond with certain people. But again, I have I am a task focused person. I know that so I can get focused on the task and I don't necessarily need to know who my neighbor is every month. But there are some people who do need that information. So what can you put into place so you can make sure that that is embedded in your process where people can still feel connected, still feel that, yes, there is a level of I'm not just a body, but people actually care about me. And I know that they have implemented certain things that they have that uh, within the different departments and checking in with individuals. But again, it's good feedback. You want to grow, but you don't want to lose touch with ensuring that the team members feel like they're valued, that they're important. And if that's feedback that you're getting, just like they were able to remedy the security issues within a short time frame, how can you remedy that so people can have that touchy-feely and really connect with each other? And at least that that you can turn that 96% to 100%. And of course, that I won't say that's not possible because there, there are always going to be some type of complaints. But if you can just remedy it or touch those areas, it's going to be important. So don't ever get caught up with saying that we are the number one on Glassdoor. I believe on their website, they have been like consistently, I think it's like their fifth year of being like, you know, the dominant um, platform that people utilize for video co uh, conferencing. But yes, it's good to have those accolades and those awards, but you still want to make sure that you're touching the people and identifying what is happening with your internal customer. Don't get caught up with the external customer and the shareholders, what's happening on the inside, because you can look good on the outside and then be in the inside crumbling down. And again, you never know when it's going to be that one incident that happens. And now everything's come, everything starts crashing and burning because of that one issue that has spilled over, like we saw with Ellen, like we have seen with McDonald's. That internal customer, you want to make sure you nurture those relationships because again, as you blow up, you need people that are going to push your mission and vision. So they're just as important and valuable as that external customer. That's good. And I want to jump in and go back to what Corey said a little bit earlier about the friend of his, because I got a couple of friends of mine, the same thing. We continuously talk about 
the goal, the vision, the mission, and then they don't do it or don't take action. I think the execution is what um, a lot of people suffer. And I know I've said before that most people have great intentions, but they lack execution. So I intend to do this. I intend to do that. I want to do this. I want to lose weight. I want to pay my bills. I'll pay my debt off, but they don't take action and they don't take action because they don't properly plan. And I'm going to take this quote from a movie that I saw Amistad years and years ago. And I watched it multiple times, but give us free, not that one, not give us us free, (laughs) but this one, which hit me, he said, Oh, translate this. This should work. And he was like, I can't translate should. And it was like, there's no Mende word for should. You either do something or you don't do it. So oftentimes, and I've seen this in other areas of the English language, we give ourselves outs. I should do this. I may do this. I possibly, all these words we use for not doing something. So if we start to change and transition our vocabulary, and either do or don't, we can eliminate a lot of the inaction that we suffer from. And now that's my thought process. That's I've been trying to live by that um, for some years now. Either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. And I remember my dad growing up, he was straight out tell you no. And it it possibly, you may have thought it was wrong. I remember I asked him for, I said, I, w- I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, daddy, you think I could come uh, stay with you? Or I I remember I asked him for some money one time. He was like, no, straight up. It wasn't a maybe. It wasn't a possibility. It wasn't I got you. It wasn't a it was straight. No. And I didn't understand why he would tell me no, why he wouldn't help me. But I do appreciate now that when my dad said something, he was either going to do it or he wasn't going to do it. And if he wasn't going to do it, he didn't commit to it. And. A lot of times, and I don't even classify it as real commitment or true commitment because a lot of people commit to something and then quit. You were never really fully invested. You were never fully committed to taking that action, taking that next step and doing that next thing. So for those out there that are listening, especially if you're a business owner, be committed to your business. Be committed to your organization. Be committed to the product or service that you are delivering. Zoom is committed to change. Because we see how rapidly they fix all of their issues and they do still have some issues in the back. When you grow that quickly as a company, you're going to have those growing pains, but they're committed to excellence. And when you're committed to excellence, then you will make the changes that you need to make in life. And what would we be if Zoom founder and leadership team, if they sat around and they said all day, well, maybe we should fix this. Maybe we can fix this. Oh, I now I just can't get around to doing it. How would we feel about that product or that service? We demand more from them because we're paying for it. Demand more from yourself because you are worth something and valuable. So demand that from you. If you have issues with doing something, get help with doing them. Find a coach, get in an accountability group, a partnership something where you can surround yourself with people that can help you make that transition. It might be free mentoring. It might be paid consulting, whatever it takes. I paid my first mentor years ago and he put me on a path that I wouldn't be on today without him. Had I not, had I said, you know what? I can't pay for that. I can't afford that. I don't want to sacrifice that. Maybe I would be here. Maybe not. I don't know, but I do know that path would have been longer and harder because he gave me insight to things I just didn't know and was not aware of. And I know I went off on a rant on that, but I just wanted to bring that to light that most people say something. They, they have, there are a lot of good intentions out there. Intentions don't get you anything. We need action now. No, and that's good. And I need, and and I'm kind of even off the other question, right? Because this is, this is going to help somebody listening to this and y'all know I'm, that's where I'm at right now. So here's the thing. You talked about losing weight, right? The majority of, of the weight that you lose. And I was reading this the other day, the majority of the weight that you lose, 80% of it comes from oxygen. So 80% of it comes from what you breathe out, right? Or your carbon dioxide or whatever you want to say. 20% of it comes from you actually excreting sweat or urine or using a bath, et cetera, whatever it is, right? So 80% of that is from something that you cannot see. 
And so whether we're talking about in business or for yourself, you can't get caught up in the fact that I, I can't see it happening. Therefore, I must not be making progress. I can't see it. Therefore, something might not be changing. I can't see it. Therefore, I'm not making progress in whatever I'm trying to make. 80% of what's happening, you can't even see that it's going on, right? 80%, think about this. The big brands that we see, the big businesses that we see, the big changes that you see in your life, all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you be like, oh, dang, that did happen. And then it's because 80% of it, you couldn't see it. So I just, I want Trevor, everybody listening to this, right? I want you to understand that there are steps that you have to take and you're not going to be able to see it right now. And you're going to be beating your head every single day. And it, eventually one day you will come to the fact that you're like, oh, wow, I actually did make it. I actually did go here. Somebody's probably going to call it out for you and be like, man, you know what? You're good. And if I can remember right, Trevor, you uh, you you deal with music. They're going to be like, oh, man, this guy's a guru in music. But we never we never saw it happen. All of a sudden, it just it just happened because 80 percent of that. We don't see it happen day to day or we don't realize it. Think about this. How often in the day do you say, am I am I still breathing? Let me check to see if I'm still breathing real quick. No, it's just happening. And so you want to allow yourself for it to just happen as long as you take the correct steps. Right. So when you're working out, you're, you're doing your workouts, you're doing your, 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 your hit workouts, you're doing your bike workouts, you're doing your running, your weightlifting, whatever. You're getting that done, but you're only seeing 20 percent of what's actually being done. Right. Even even when they say about diet, 80 percent of your you losing weight is in the kitchen. That's a that's a different aspect because most people want to go work out because they can they can see the pump they can see the sweat come out they can see the t shirt you know drenched in water and whatnot you can see it and so that makes us feel better because we can currently see that happening so I want people to understand that when you start to execute right that's the biggest piece when you start to really execute you're not going to see these big phenomenal changes like you're not going to just see this big change happened over here. All of a sudden, somebody's going to walk across you one day and be like, oh, my man. I didn't even know you were doing whatever it is. And then you'll finally realize, oh, yeah, you sure right. I've been doing this for the last three, four years. Right. I think about even my speaking journey. When I first started speaking, I look back at my, my videos. I'm like, oh, boy, I was trash. But then you Ooh. get up on stage right now. Uh -huh. and they be like, oh, man, you're so good at what you do. And I'm like, oh, what? Why? You're right, because I had just been speaking. I hadn't even realized in my mind. I was still like, I guess I'm getting better. I guess I'm all right. I guess I'm getting a little bit good at this. Right. I guess I get a little bit more articulate in what I'm saying. And then people start to comment on your videos. People start to when you go to a conference or you speak in front of somebody and they're like, oh, man, that was fire. And then you're like, you know what? You matter of fact, right, because I've been working. That's why. Right. And so that's the thing I want people to get out. You have to be working. And if you're not working, how do you expect to get better? The last piece I'll say to this is a lot of you listening right now will say, I don't have money to get this coaching. I don't have money to get this thing. I don't have money to put up. I challenge you to put up money because if you don't put up money, money is important to most of us. You're going to want to get it back or you're going to want to get something in return for it. If you don't put up money or something along the lines that's that important to you, you won't see the change. Because it's not important enough. It doesn't, what you said, Tyrus, it doesn't hurt enough. So if you put up $2,000, if you put up $2,500, $3,000, you're going to want to see some return on that. So I challenge y'all to put some money up, to put something out there. That way you force yourself to say, I got to go get it back. That's good. You got to make it hurt. I love that. I love that. Um, and I know we kind of like got off from uh, talking about what well, we were still talking about. Um, you know, what's going on with Zoom as well. But I love that aspect of it because a lot of times, like it's different where you've been training all that time, like people who have been training, they've dedicated their lives on that sport. And then they go to the NBA finals, they get to like the, the tip of it and now they lose. It hurts a little different depending on how much you've invested in it. So we have to remember, we you know, we have to remember the importance of that. And I think even when we take it back to Zoom, just imagine if they didn't make that fix, they got to like they they're seeing the mountaintop. They've invested time. You're, we talked about last week about how the reason why Zoom was started is because the CEO was unhappy where they're at. It was to the point where they didn't even want to go to work. And now you've decided to leave. You were making a nice check. 
and start a business. And now you're going to allow it to crumble because you won't fix Mm. or remedy your issue. And that's what's happening with a lot of these companies that fall. You have invested all this time. You have all these people that also are, this is where they work. They have so much buy-in. And because you won't remedy one issue, you won't address it. You're willing to lose it all. That hurts a little differently. So we really want to think about that and think about what do we really value. And a lot of times we have to make sure that we're considering it, considering it from that aspect. When it's free, you just don't value it the same. But when you've invested time, energy, money, when people have invested years in a relationship or in a marriage and it breaks down, when people have poured so much time in their kids, gotten them to college, and now they fail out. When you have invested so much time and you bought, you saved up that money, And now you get into a car accident. I've done that. I got a car. Within a week, I was in a crash because I fell asleep behind the wheel because I wasn't getting enough rest. It hurts differently. And I knew after that, after that, when I get tired, since then, I pull off on the side of the road. And I might not be as safe, but it's better than me driving sleepy. So it's just different when you have invested in something and something happens. So I really want us to think about that when we're creating our businesses, when we're thinking about what we're investing in, we're coaching, and really start thinking about ways to, we have to make it hurt. We do. We, we just got to. You just function a little bit differently when you focus your time energy into something. So as we get to the, clo- to the closing part of it, let's go around and let's ask the question. Do you all believe Zoom will rise or fall? And we'll kick it off with Corey. Yeah, I think if Zoom remedies all of their issues, like they do their tech issues, they're rising. Um, and the reason I say that is we read some of these some of these reviews and they say, well, the, the company culture or whatnot is. So it said the company culture is kind of falling because the growth and, you know, the Zoom boom that happened and whatnot. If they can remedy those issues the way that they've been doing their tech issues, they're, they're just going to continue to rise. I think they're already on the rise. Uh, clearly, we talked about their stocks. We talked about financials, all that other stuff and their ratings as far as the CEO, senior management, all that. They're going to continue to rise. Um, they, they just need to be mindful that if they don't address and they continue to get the comments of the the company culture and the, hey, I don't know who I'm working with and whatnot, that can then turn into something bad because then you then you turn your company from community to kind of just like the Tyrus's favorite t- term, a uh, button seat. So I think they're rising. Yeah, I agree. Um, Zoom won't go anywhere. They will continue to rise and have a level of excellence. Um, they are the hot ticket right now. Will there be other softwares or other platforms that come out? Of course they will. Um, will they go away? No, they, they have, they have become the Coca-Cola to us in webinar in meeting that Coke is to drink. So when you think of a Pepsi, you might call it a Coke or you think of another drink, you might call it a Coke. Zoom has become that. When you think about going to a meeting, I'm going to go to a Zoom. I'm going to do a Zoom. So they're not going anywhere. <clears throat> um, there's one other thing I wanted to pitch in there. And just I keep going back to the inaction and taking action and creating plans. That is where the act and lead insights assessment comes into place. We can get down to a granular level to think about your order of thought, how you process information, and then your passion and what drives you. Many of the listeners out there have probably taken a DISC assessment, which shows you how you how you behave externally, your behavioral preferences and tendencies. It goes deeper than that. Sometimes we're still confused because we don't really know what drives us. We don't really know what we're passionate about. We don't really know how we process information or how we really or truly think. We don't see those things because in order to self-assess, become really, really aware, you have to have some kind of data that you can look at. And the Atomly Insights will help with that. So if you haven't taken the values or the attributes index and you just have the disc, reach out to us so we can get you set up with the Act and Lead Insight so we can go deeper, so we can correct these problems and take action on them. And that way this conversation won't keep going up. But Zoom definitely gets a rise from me. I need to go ahead and put some money on that stock because I already missed out on that huge growth. I believe they could go up more. And, you know, Amazon, where they are, Zoom may be the next to follow in that type of role. So I need to go ahead and get a couple of that $400 stock before we turn into two, three thousand dollar a share stock. 
Mm, buy me some while you at it. All right, buy me some. All right, <laughs> buy some for Ag Leadership and Management Consulting. But yeah, so I agree too. Um, I echo everything that my uh, great partners have said that I believe that Zoom is going to rise. Um, just again, from how they're managing internal customers, again, their shareholders, their stakeholders, how they have remedying issues and they're communicating the changes letting you know what it's um, what's available. I think that they are definitely on a rise. And again, bumps on the road is normal for any business leader, any leader on this journey. But the question is how you remedy it. I think that's one of the things we can learn from this. How fast are you going to remedy it? And again, if you're not a problem solver, get you a team, a diverse team of people that can help you in being innovative and thinking about how to resolve these issues. You might not be the smartest person in the room, but you can hire and have a staff and a team of other smart people. Thank you for listening into another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. It's one thing to get information, but it's another thing to apply it. So leaders out there, take this information. How can you apply it in how you manage, how you lead, how you do things in business, how you continue to move forward? And as we always say, we don't just lead, we mix action with leadership. Tune into a next episode next week and learn more about us at actleadconsulting.com. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces.